For tuning in to the Open Door Ministry Breadcrumbs Podcast with me, your host, Barbara Smith. We are here to share our blog articles with you in an audio format. We know that people are very busy and constantly on the go, but we all still need daily inspiration in our lives. It is our goal to share a few thought-provoking morsels that will challenge you to stay actively engaged in the Word of God. His Word is the bread of life. Above Your Pay Grade by Barbara Smith In everything we do in life, there needs to be law and order. This idea, as well as all brilliant ideas, did not originate with mankind, but with God. Speaking of how to conduct oneself in the church house, as one example, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 40, Let all things be done decently and in order. However, this principle can be seen throughout the scriptures. Since the United States was established on the concept, In God We Trust, and the Constitution was founded on the principles of God's Word, we have had a plethora of great ideas over the centuries. However, we must not forget where our help comes from, or we will be on a downward slope to chaos, which is becoming more evident in the 21st century as individuals steer away from biblical concepts. Hope, grace, and mercy offers the opportunity to turn back to God and is still available, as we can see in the promise of Second Chronicles 7 verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. We read in the Old Testament how God spared Moses' life as a baby from the wrath of Pharaoh. God had a purpose for his life. He was going to lead God's people out of captivity from the land of Egypt. We know this because we have read the story. Of course, Moses as a boy and growing up as a young man did not know this. He was raised primarily by the Pharaoh's daughter, but had been taught and nursed by his own mother in his formative years. The things he had learned were in his heart and began to surface when he saw the mistreatment of the Israelites by the Egyptians. They became quite clear, though, through a series of events which led to him killing an Egyptian during a dispute and unsuccessfully trying to hide it. Thus he had to flee Egypt. He was 40 years old at the time and ended up living another 40 years in the wilderness, tending sheep in preparation for his leadership role in bringing God's people out of bondage. During this time, he married Zipporah, whose father Jethro ultimately became his lifesaver through the words of wisdom he spoke that Moses desperately needed to hear many years later. After seeing the burning bush and having a serious conversation with God, Moses returned to Egypt to lead the people out of bondage. Though it was not an easy one, two, three magical formula, he and his brother Aaron got the job done. 
That might have been the easiest part of the equation, however, because following that, the actual leading and governing of the people began. These were Jethro's words to him when he, in short order, became overwhelmed in his new role. Exodus 18, verses 10 through 27 tells us the story. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the thing wherein they dwelt proudly he was above them. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for the Lord. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before the Lord. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto even? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people came unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God, and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the ways wherein they must walk, and the work they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. Thus Moses became the leader and judge of the Israelites, with multiple judges and leaders under his authority. The Old Testament is filled with accounts of leaders, prophets, kings, and judges, with books dedicated to many of their stories. There were civil laws ceremonial laws and moral laws given by God that they used as their guideline for meeting out judgment. The first act of King Solomon in judging the kingdom was after he had humbled himself before the Lord and asked him for wisdom and understanding to do so because he stated in essence that he was clueless. And the Lord responded, in 1 Kings 3, 9-12 and 16-28 it says, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? 
And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing, and God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked for the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thy understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king, and stood before him. And the one woman said, O my lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered, that this woman was delivered also. And we were together, there was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night, because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight, and took my son from beside me, while thine handmaid slept, and laid it in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, The one hath said, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is dead, and my son is living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one, and half to the other. Then spake the women whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, O my lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. These types of issues, greater and smaller, are still brought into courthouses to be judged today. I cannot speak to how every country oversees their affairs, and there are those who seem to have no judicial system. However, the United States, as previously mentioned, was founded on principles of law and order. Each of our 50 states have their general courts with numerous divisions. My condensed and maybe not all-inclusive version of this topic is, there are trial courts that are most often where cases originate and are the lowest level of the court system. Probate courts handle wills and administration of estates. Family courts handle child support and custody and the cases of child abuse and neglect. Traffic courts handle violations and infractions involving motor vehicles and related issues. Housing courts handle cases involving landlords and tenants. Small claims courts handle dollar amount disputes that are from 2500 to 15000 or less, depending on the state you live in. And juvenile courts handle criminal offenses of minors and truancy. States can and often do have separate courts for civil and criminal matters. 
there can be decisions made by an appellate review court handling appeals by examining jury verdicts or trial court judges opinions the case would then go to the state's highest court where if the verdict is still not satisfactory the only way to appeal further is to seek out the u s supreme court however these would be more selected in rare cases that would most often involve a federal matter that may have had a constitutional element in the dispute the judiciary act of seventeen eighty nine established both the federal and state court systems the state courts being as aforementioned and being the first line of defense and the federal court and highest of the judiciary system being the supreme court of the united states it is the head of the judicial branch of government and can hear cases regarding the executive branch such as the impeachments or questionable actions of presidents or the legislative branch which we know as congress it has the ultimate authority and jurisdiction over all laws passed in the past present and future of the united states and must evaluate them in accordance with the constitution it is made up of a chief justice and eight associate judges or justices though there have been extensive debates regarding it there are no term limits for the supreme court justices there are many pros and cons in this discussion if there were a change proposed who would make it and who would vote and decide on it i am afraid this is way above my pay grade i say this in earnest because i do not have the knowledge or position to delve into this further however the expression above my pay grade is more often used regarding things people do not want to take responsibility for on a professional or social level or if someone is saying this about another person it could mean that they feel they are speaking out of turn or it is none of their business and they are trying to put them in their place this phrase is seen from the late nineteen sixties on mostly in a military context where colossal decisions are made which can have grave consequences and this gave a point of reference of where the buck stopped history accounts that the united states president harry s truman had a plaque on his desk in the oval office reading the buck stops here as a reminder that he was the one who had to make the final decisions regarding the country taking personal responsibility for actions is a scarce commodity these days but it is refreshing to see when you can in past societies there has been a caste system that governs affairs and which offered a scapegoat mentality where those of lower estate could be blamed if something went wrong a caste system being a place of privilege social status wealth fame or lack thereof that someone is born into in certain cultures and countries this is still prominent and therefore it can be difficult to change your course in life though in the united states we still have our prejudices and biases we do promote and believe in the american dream aka choosing our own pay grade where we can decide for ourselves the path in life we want to take however this involves taking ownership of our own successes and failures in the arena of our lives where does the buck stop 
What is our pay grade? Are we the plaintiff or the defendant, the prosecutor or the defender, the witness, the judge, or the jury? We often want to step above our pay grade and take on everyone's role without taking the responsibility of the verdict, the decisions, or consequences. Let us look at what the scripture tells us. The plaintiff and prosecutor are none other than Satan himself. He is the accuser who is trying to destroy and bring us down. Revelation 12 verse 10 tells us, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. We are the defendants, the accused. Even if we have not committed any gross sin, Satan knows that we were born with the sin of Adam and therefore guilty. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. However, the defending attorney or advocate is none other than Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 states, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He not only mediates between the defendant and the judge, but he presents his case before the jury, those looking on trying to decide our fate, presenting evidence, which are his nail-scarred hands, that he has already met the requirements of the law and paid the price that we owed. The price required by the law, or the verdict, was death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 3 verses 20 through 28, Paul says, Therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is the boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. It is not our deeds that have saved us, but Jesus' death on the cross in our place. Going forward in life, 1 John 2 verse 1 tells us, My little children, these things write out unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Colossians 2, 13-20 confirms that our debt is paid and therefore we can no longer be judged for our past sin. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcised of your flesh, have he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it, 
to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Lastly, but most importantly, God is the judge. He holds the highest judicial position in this court of life. The buck stops with him, and he has the final say and authority. Psalms 50 verse 6 says, And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. Selah. Hebrews 10.30 says, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. Not only is it his job, but he is qualified, capable, and equipped to do his job. Psalm 75.7 says, but God is the judge, he putteth down one and setteth up another. Psalm 9 verse 8 states, And he shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. Job 21.22 says, Shall any teach God knowledge, seeing he judges those that are high? He has everything under control. We must just allow him to handle things. Trying to be the judge is far above our pay grade and could get us into a world of hurt. We have not been trained in this position, nor do we have the skills, ability, or the authority to do the job of a judge. When we begin to take on roles we should not be meddling with, we set ourselves up to be scrutinized by others. Matthew 7 verses 1 through 2 says, Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, Ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Luke 6.37 adds a nuance to this. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. In meeting out judgment, there is always a verdict, and this will be in favor of the one party, but against the other. We must stay out of this decision-making process when it comes to others. James, a major source of practical Christian living, has quite a bit to share on the subject. James 2 verse 4 says, Are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? In chapter 2 verse 12 he says, Keeping the whole law, so speak ye and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. He continues in James 4, verse 11 through 12. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy, which is God. Who art thou that judgeth another then? In James 5, verse 9, he concludes, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. We are the accused and the defendant, and we have all been summoned to court. However, when it comes to others, we are not their judge, but only witnesses. 
Though we are not blind and can see the wrongdoings of others, instead of judging, which is above our pay grade, we should rather try to resolve our differences without going to court or making a public issue of disputes, and more importantly, take things to the judge, a.k.a. God, in prayer that we cannot manage on our own. Jesus said in Matthew 5.25, Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Your actions could backfire on you. In addition, remember others are witnesses of our deeds as well. Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 3 admonishes, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Stop and consider things before you speak or act. We must humble ourselves before our judge, God, voluntarily and allow ourselves to be judged by him now so that we can make things right in his sight. This was David's prayer in Psalm 7 verse 8, The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. Whether we choose to confess before him now is up to us individually. However, there will come a time when time is no more that we will come before him without a choice. Romans 14 verses 10 through 12 tells us, but why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Revelations 20 verse 13 confirms, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Paul had admonished Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 as a young minister to fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Then at the end of his life, Paul writes again to Timothy, acknowledging that because of keeping himself before the judge in this life and practicing what he preached to Timothy, he will receive a reward from the judge in the end. In 2 Timothy 4 verses 6 through 10, Paul writes, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. We can share the same reassurance that Paul felt as we walk through this life. Instead of us praying the child's prayer each night that says, Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, 
we should pray a version of David's prayer found in Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, or judge me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Do not wait until judgment day, but bring your case before him now, and receive your acquittal. If you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you are covered in his blood, and that is all the evidence the righteous judge requires. He will ask your accusers and witnesses, What sins are you talking about? Psalm 103 verse 12 states, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. He will then proclaim the verdict decisively, because he can. It's his job. Not guilty. Case dismissed. Thanks for joining us today. We trust you have been nourished and blessed. Always remember the Lord is faithful and His mercies are new every morning. Until next time, God bless.